You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. We had a lot of information come down the pipeline today. Qualifying offers were either rejected or accepted, and we had one of the uh, 10 players that received a qualifying offer sign a contract. So let's just dive into that, because what we saw today is going to have some direct effects on the Indians. So we'll start with the two players that accepted the qualifying offer, and that's Jake Odorizzi going back to the Twins and Jose Abreu going back to the White Sox. So the two guys to accept stay in the division. Um... Abreu at $18 million. I don't know if that's really much of a bargain. He's been a good but not great first baseman. Uh, so kind of good on him to be able to get that much money. As for Odorizzi, I mean, there was the had talks with the Blue Jays and other organizations. He must not have had a lot of uh, trust in the ability to get a multi-year contract. He'll return to the Twins. I don't think that's frankly what the Twins wanted. You know, when they were clearing all of that space by, you know, even letting go of Ethan Martin, who had been a usable player at a relatively cheap deal. Um, when you clear out that much roster space, they might have wanted to go out and get a bigger name. But now that's, I mean, Odorizzi is going to take up $18 million next year. It is nice for them in regards that, hey, now they got two starters. They still need three more, though. And it's a market with a lot of teams looking for pitching, and that's already one name off. Another name off the market is Will Smith, who was the closer for the Giants. And rather than uh, accept a qualifying offer at $18 million, he signed a three-year, $40 million contract. So he gave up a little money now for the multi-year deal. Aggressive move by the Braves. And quickly, before we go in, the other seven players rejected. The other interesting thing is uh, Jake Odorizzi was the only player who was going to be tied to that like first-round pick type of value. That means that any player who signs at this point, uh, a team will get that comp pick between the uh, competitive balance B and the third round. So it means that those teams that are picking at the, uh, the top of the draft, those second-round picks are going to come a lot quicker this year because there's going to be zero um, compensation picks. And I'm trying to think if there's any picks for players who failed to sign, not that I can remember. So things are going to move pretty uh, quickly in the draft. Now, in terms of uh, the Will Smith signing, I believe that he would be a cost them basically their second and fifth highest pick. Or no, I'm sorry. They have to give their third highest pick. So by signing Smith... They'll essentially have to forfeit whatever pick they get when another team signs Josh, Josh Donaldson. It's an exact exchange. So the minute Donaldson signs, uh, they'll be giving up that selection for signing Will Smith. Until then, I mean, technically, they're going to be listed as giving up their third rounder until that point in time. But with the third base market being like it is, I'm 100% sure essentially uh it's a smith for donaldson in terms of comp range players um and the picks for the atlanta braves if you've forgotten the seven players still out there who have draft pick loss tied to them are madison bumgardner garrett cole josh donaldson marcelo zuna anthony rendon steven strasburg and zach wheeler 
Um, the Giants have already gained a competitive balance B pick. We'll see what happens with Bumgardner. He's been a hotly talked about name that would give them a second, kind of like early third round pick. Um, and as I mentioned, the Braves are pretty much going to forfeit that comp round pick uh, the minute he signs, the Donaldson signs. So uh, what we're seeing in terms of the draft is partially thanks to the changes in the draft, um, teams aren't quite as afraid to jump in. A team like the Braves, who knew they weren't going to lose a first-rounder for signing Will Smith, were much more willing to sign uh, to sign him because at the end of the day, they basically, like you know, I've said, they break even on picks. I don't think uh, the loss of draft picks will affect any of these players. Um, starting pitching market being what it is, it is kind of interesting to, to hear the number of teams out there and the number of teams that are kind of like already making their Bumgardner run, knowing that they're probably not in as part of the coal market. And I think that uh, a few teams are, if you're making a run at Bumgardner, Wheeler is a natural choice to uh, to also go after. Uh, Donaldson and Rendon we've talked about. Strasburg is, of course, at the top as well. Marcelo Zuna is the only player who might see his value get a little bit dinged in terms of uh, draft pick loss tied to it. But at the same time, if you believe some of the rumors we're seeing, the Miami Marlins, even though they are nowhere near close to competing, and I have uh, advocated the Indians trying to acquire Brian Anderson from them, uh, who is the third baseman slash outfielder, along with Harlan Garcia, who's a left-hand reliever, uh, they're apparently looking to add talent. I don't know how that's going to work. They're not really a super talented team, and if you were going to do that, why did you trade away Zach Allen in the middle of last season? Um, they got an interesting prospect, uh, a really high-ceiling player. But, again, if it just strikes me as a team without a plan. I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it's one thing to try to sign some guys uh, a little bit later, maybe see if you can get someone a little bit cheaper and lock a few players up as you start to build your core. But this is a major league roster that's, almost entirely devoid of talent it's one of the least talented rosters in baseball if not the least talented this is not a team that's close this is a team that traded away virtually anyone who had value so i i don't see the value in signing a marcelo zuna losing any pick at all in that process and then uh or going and getting a nick castellanos who really can't play defense to play in the national league um yeah i i don't understand what the management there is doing. I did love their draft the last two years. We'll see how those start to pay off, but I think they've, you know, that is an area where they've done very well. Their trades, not so much. The the talent that has come back is has been a really mixed bag. Um, they may end up with like nothing for trading Christian Yelich away. So it's, yeah. Now speaking of Yelich, we also had the uh, the MVP awards. Trout and Cody Bellinger. Uh, it was kind of a debate between Bellinger and Yelich for uh, large points of the year. Yelich's injury kind of made that a little bit easier in the end. But, uh, you know, we also talked about Bellinger on yesterday's show. And I think he was, you know, up for a gold glove in right field. Uh, again, Jock Peterson should very much be on the block for the Dodgers. And that is something to keep in mind. Now it is time for a quick little sponsor break. As we continue to look through divisions, part of me was tempted to uh, jump over to the Miami Marlins after talking about them, but we still haven't finished off the NL Central and trade partners for the Indians, so let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. 
I was very critical of a lot of things the Reds have done. Um, I still don't know if their current plan is going to work out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the Puig-Wood deal was nothing short of catastrophic. They're still an extremely flawed team at this point. Um, what was interesting, though, is they went out and hired a great pitching coach, and he really helped develop a lot of players. And at the end of the day, the Reds, uh, their pitching is what carried them, which that was supposed to be the weakness, and the hitting was supposed to stand out. And while there were some guys, Eugenio Suarez in particular, who was utterly phenomenal, Orestes Acaño when he was caught up and the run he went on, uh, in you know, in general, it was the pitching staff. That was the strength of this team. Sonny Gray, who they got for virtually nothing, got Cy Young votes, and one could argue Luis Castillo was better than him. They added Trevor Bauer, who, you know, I talked about him throughout the year. He is consistently inconsistent, and but at there's he is no doubt a a solid two three type. Uh, Tyler Molly has always been an interesting uh, developmental guy who had a good first half, not so good second half. Anthony Discafina is another guy who's kind of there. We could really use probably another arm. Their focus has already been a catcher, and that's pretty clear. That's what they're chasing. Yasmany Grandel uh, is someone that they have been hot on, which is interesting because Tyler Stevenson, or uh, yeah, Stevenson is finally starting to put it together two years in a row of strong production. He's already up to Double A. Um, if they here's the thing, Grandel is a top three player at the catcher position. If you can get him, go ahead and get him. I'm not going to knock a team for adding one of the t- best three guys at a position. But if they can't get Grandal, then maybe they try for, you know, uh, Dayarned or one of the other guys. But basically, don't go crazy. Uh, Tucker Barnhart is okay. But, uh, yeah, Stevenson getting close. And between him and Jonathan India... Uh, who is someone else moving incredibly quickly through the system, uh, had such a great year at Florida as a junior, making him fly up draft boards, and he's continued to play well in the minors. He could be their uh, their eventual answer at second or third base. Right, right now, Josh Van Meter is listed as their second baseman. They could undoubtedly uh, use a second baseman. They could also use some bullpen depth. The top of the pen is pretty good, but the depth there is suspect. So basically, they need a second baseman, uh, a starter, or a um, some relief help. I mean, the Indians could uh, part with the starter there. Problem is, the Reds just don't have any depth. Um, I loved them adding Travis Jankowski in October for international pool money. Uh, I've liked Jankowski for a while. He was buried in San Diego. It's a nice addition, kind of depth guy. But their overall bench, again, it's, it's lacking depth. They're minors. They've really struggled in terms of player development. Um, you're not going to be able to find anyone who's like Jose Siri made it to AAA, but he's still got a 30% strikeout rate. It's There's not a lot there. Um, so long story short, the Reds lack depth. They can't really trade anyone off their roster. They don't really have a lot of guys in the minors who are going to be able to help next season. You add it all up together, and the Reds and the Indians are not a good match for a trade, at least at this point and time. So let's quickly jump over. we got two teams left, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. I think Pittsburgh is definitely the team to talk about first. Uh, the Pirates currently do not have anyone in charge. Uh, Neil Huntington t- 
took them from uh, the trash heap, and they had, you know, a, a somewhat successful run, but it was very short lived. And you look at them as a team, you know, on top of their struggles, the Chris Archer trade, the Garrett Cole trade, you know, a pair of trades that made them and the front office look very bad. Yet in the situation with their all-star closer and how he uh, just looks like an absolute scumbag and isn't going to be near a baseball team anytime in the immediate future. And, and what do you do if you're the GM here? Because it's not all terrible. Like, not even remotely all terrible. Josh Bell had a huge year at first base. Brian Reynolds was a Rookie of the Year candidate. Kevin Newman had a really strong season. Um, you still have Starling Marte, who's a, a solid uh, center fielder. I mean, there's a reason why all these teams are kind of discussing why, you know, you can pretty much find a blog site that is saying why their team should trade for Starling Marte. Uh, Adam Frazier is an underrated second baseman. They're... And that's what kind of makes this a hard team to figure out, and a lot's going to depend on whoever they bring in. Because at the end of the day, when you look at this lineup, you're like set at first, second, short, third is solid, left field and right field. I mean, maybe a healthy Polanco, and you're like, okay, so the entire outfield set, we just need to find a catcher. Um, they're very close offensively. It will be interesting with you know someone like O'Neill Cruz, who's another top prospect, who's getting close, Cole Tucker. Uh, a top prospect. You got Kevin Kramer. You got to figure out kind of where he could play. There's a lot of moving pieces, and that might be where they would make the most sense uh, as a trade partner for the Indians. Because on the other side of things, when you look at this team, uh, Joe Musgrove, who is you know one of the central pieces of uh, the Garrett Cole deal, he looks like more of a, a four-five. You look. Chris Archer had, I mean, massive struggles this year. Stephen Brault. Uh, these are like back-end guys. James Tayon only got in seven starts. He's had problems staying healthy. Uh, Mitch Keller, their top prospect in 11 starts, was pretty terrible. Uh, I just I don't know um, what they're going to do moving forward. They've got some pieces in their pen, too, though. I mean, they had a star closer, and he was into underage people uh so he's out francisco liriano was surprisingly effective as a reliever but he's a free agent uh kyle crick had some ups and downs for him this year just wasn't quite as good basically this whole pitching staff is a disaster um it's a mess i don't know what they're going to do with it but there is a world where the indians could maybe trade a piece to and that would be where it is where if the indians were to make a deal with the pittsburgh pirates It'd be pitching for um, for Starling Marte, and maybe you try to get a Kevin Kramer, who the Indians, I believe, if I'm correct, tried to didn't try. They drafted out of high school, yes, 25th round pick in 2011, uh, same year they took uh, Francisco Lindor, just were unable to sign him. Kramer has struggled at the major league level in limited at bats. Uh, I mean, he's been terrible, but uh, he's really excelled in the minors. And the reason the Pirates would be move, willing to move on is, as I said, Adam Frazier is a guy who's going to be there for a while, a solid second baseman. Uh, Kevin Newman had a really strong rookie season. And O'Neill Cruz is a shortstop slash second baseman who is very close to the majors. Big, big guy, big power. And then uh, Cole Tucker, also a former top prospect, got some time up there. So they have a wealth of 
middle infielders. The question really is, is someone like Kevin Kramer really, you know, better than Arroyo or a Chang who the Indians have? And I, I can't really say, you know, for sure that he is. I, I at points would have had him rated below both of those players. One of their top prospects is Tajnay Thomas, who uh, is the, the player along with uh, Eric Gonzalez, who's currently set to be a backup on the roster, who they got in the Leplo Morhoff deal. The end of the day, though, I still do that deal 100% of the times because 100% of the times, 100% of the time, because how good Luplo was. I don't think anyone really wants to go back and undo that. So the question is exactly, what could you do to get Starling Marte? Like, which pitcher is it going to cost you if you are the Cleveland Indians? And while I'm talking about trades all the time, I'm not really the best at them. So I always find these hard, especially in a situation like this where it's it's almost going to be more of like a one for one. Now, if the incoming management team there does not think that they're going to win anytime soon, then we could be looking at more of a traditional trade of prospects. Um, What would make sense between the Indians and the Pirates for Starling Marte? Honestly, um, maybe something along the lines of like Logan Allen and a Brian uh, Rocoyo. That way they're getting a... Though I know to many that would be too much, but the idea of one high, one low. Like uh, Logan Allen is a pitcher in AAA who could uh, has spent time in the majors who could help them this year, but for the Indians is about ninth in line to start. So Logan Allen makes sense. Um, maybe Luis Oviedo, Oviedo uh, would be another guy. I don't know if they'd want two guys that need to be added to the 40-man, so he may not quite make as much sense either. Um, I'm just trying to think. Maybe a Cody Morris, who kind of had a bit of a breakout this year. But basically the idea of a high-ceiling prospect in the low minors and a close-to-ready guy in the upper minors, specifically a starter there, because that's where the Indians have their depth to trade from. That's kind of what I'd be looking at in terms of a trade for Starling Marte. He does make perfect sense for the Indians, a team that could use another outfielder. He can play multiple spots in that outfield. He has a very reasonable contract. He's going to make a combined $23 million the next two years. Um, offensive production, defensive production. For the Indians' core, he would fit perfectly right now. Um, yeah, Starling Marte would be beautiful for the Indians. And I would, you know, outside of, like, Jones and Valera, I really wouldn't hesitate to trade anyone for two years of Freeman or not Freeman's, another prospect, for two years of Marte. So that is our show for this week. We've now, uh, all we got left is Milwaukee Brewers, so we'll discuss them on Monday, more than likely, barring a ton of uh, interesting news to talk about that knocks them down. But uh, this has been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, thank you for listening, and go Tribe!